exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. That's what we do at Kung Fu Podcast. I'm your host, Sifu T.W. Smith. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let me be part of your martial arts journey, and we are at episode number 100. I really cannot believe it. It's been a couple of years, I guess, now. I've made some fantastic friends along the way. I want to send a shout-out and congratulations out there to Mr. Ian Abernathy, a fantastic practical martial artist. If you ever want to find out a lot more about practical martial arts and karate, go to kungfupodcast.com forward slash Ian, I-A-I-N, and it'll take you right over to his website. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the art of Taekwondo and a very thorough and interesting perspective of history, politics, betrayal, you name it, you can pretty much find it uh, right here in this book. And it's all associated with a very thorough journalistic background that you'll get to see from Mr. Alex Gillis in his book, A Killing Art. Before I go any further, though, I wanted to let you know that today's Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. And you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by going to KungFuPodcast.com forward slash Audible. And you'll have access to over 180,000 titles to choose from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any of your devices. And the main reason that Audible.com is sponsoring this particular podcast is because you can find the book, A Killing Art, right there and listen to it at your convenience. The other formats are also going to be available to you at Amazon and at iTunes, and you can get those links on the webpage. I organized this multi-episode podcast into three sections. An introduction, a book review essay by Dr. Ben Juckins, then an interview with the author, Mr. Alex Gillis, and then excerpts from the book, A Killing Art, The Untold History of Taekwondo. So as we get ready to go, Go ahead and settle in, whether you're driving, taking me for a walk with you, maybe even doing your martial arts fitness program. But wherever you have me, get ready, and we're going to get started with the book review by Dr. Ben Jenkins. Let's start looking at the reviews for the book, A Killing Art, The Untold History of Taekwondo by Alex Gillis. Now, Ben had written a recommendation just a few months ago for one for this particular book, and it was titled, Alex Gillis Talks About Taekwondo, Controversy and Researching the Martial Arts History. And Ben wrote, quote, One of the first books I reviewed on this blog, and he's referring to Kung Fu Tea, was A Killing Art, The Untold History of Taekwondo by Alex Gillis. To this day, it remains one of my favorite discoveries and a revised and expanded edition has just been released. With a background in investigative journalism, Gillis has produced one of the most engaging and fast-paced studies of a martial art to date. Nor do you have to be a student of Taekwondo to enjoy this book. End quote. I would also like to take a moment and say thank you to Mr. Jamie Club. It was because of him posting this on his Twitter account that got my attention about the book, which then connected me to Mr. Gillis. We exchanged a couple of notes through Twitter, and he gave me permission to share this. But I want to say thank you again, Jamie, for sharing what you do 
and being consistent in that work. Let me share with you now the description at Amazon for the book, A Killing Art. And it says, Obscure documents, Korean language books, and in-depth interviews with Taekwondo pioneers tell the tale of the origin of the most popular art. In 1938, Taekwondo began at the end of a poker game in a tiny village in a remote corner of what is now North Korea by Choi Hong Hai, who began the martial art, and his nemesis, Kim Ong Yong, who developed the Olympic style and became one of the most powerful, controversial men in sports. The story follows Choi from the 1938 poker game where he fought for his life, through high-class geisha houses where the art was named, and into the Vietnam War where the martial art evolved into a killing art. The techniques cut across all realms. From the late 1960s, when Taekwondo trained Korean CIA agents, kidnapped people in the United States and Europe, all the way to the 1970s, when Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, and other Hollywood stars mastered the art's new kicks. Taekwondo is also a martial art for the 21st century, one of merciless techniques, indomitable men, and justice pumped up on steroids. This brings me to Dr. Ben Juckin's review of this book, and he titled it, Alex Gillis Takes On a Killing Art. And it's dated October the 10th, 2012, and it's over at Kung Fu Tea. And if you ever need to find Ben's work or want to find it, go to kungfupodcast.com forward slash Ben, and it'll take you right to his website. This essay by Ben starts at a time that Ben was assembling a reading list for an undergraduate course on the Asian martial arts. I'm going to share his post with you in the first person, where he begins by discussing where he would like to teach this undergraduate course on the Asian martial arts. And he says, my preference would be to teach it in a political science department and use the martial arts to explore topics like identity, nationalism, imperialism, and globalization. However, at the moment, I am actually in talks with the anthropology department who would probably prefer more emphasis on culture, society, and Asian studies. One way or another, it is time to build my reading list. I am planning on looking at case studies in China, Japan, Korea, and the U.S. Hopefully students will find a broad comparative landscape to be helpful. Most of my experience centers around the Chinese arts. I know enough about Japan to scrape together a plausible reading list. But Korea? Korea is a problem. Why? Well, imagine standing at the front of a class at any large state university. Most of the people in your class are going to be there because they are either martial artists themselves or are interested in the entertainment subculture that they have given rise to. You want the students to be able to identify with the readings and the discussions on a personal level because that will lead them to be more engaged. If you go around this room, which martial art do you think that most of your students will have been exposed to in the past? Taekwondo. The answer is always Taekwondo. Soccer moms with hyperactive 8-year-olds 
enroll their children in Taekwondo classes, not Salat seminars or Wing Chun schools. And what this means for you as a teacher is that you are likely to have a lot of undergraduates whose main exposure to the martial arts will have been a couple of years of Taekwondo training in middle school. Which leads us to the next heading that Ben titles, Revealing the Hidden History of Taekwondo. And he goes on to say, A Killing Art by Alex Gillis is sure to appeal these students. Actually, the book is fantastic. It is a must-read for anyone who is interested in the modern history of the Asian martial arts. The writing is clean and it flows easily, reflecting the author's background in journalism. The book represents a well-researched study of the history of Taekwondo. It begins with the style's origins among a group of Korean youth who studied Japanese karate before World War II and concludes with the present-day controversies surrounding the sport's continued inclusion in the Olympics. Gillis's background as an investigative reporter is very evident throughout the study. The number of interviews that he managed to conduct was truly prodigious, and many of the topics that he had to convince individuals to go on record for about corruption, kidnapping, and torture was, well, quite frankly, horrifying. I know from my own experience how hard it is to get interviews of any kind from individuals who consider themselves to be grand masters of their respective community. The research that went into this book is just superb. The history of Taekwondo is fascinating because it illustrates so many of the key themes and theoretical dilemmas that we discuss in the field of martial studies. Its creation showcases the importance of identity in a modern setting and the critical role that the martial arts have played in cementing and legitimizing identity in East Asia. Gillis demonstrates in detail how General Choi basically borrowed and modified Japanese karate in the 1950s, consciously promoting lies about the origin and history of his art in an effort to legitimize and strengthen Korean nationalism after years of Japanese domination. The role of the state in regulating and promoting this sort of discourse is also explored. Both the South and North Korean governments sought to seize control of Taekwondo and use it to further their own political aims. In some cases, it was seen as a tool of international public diplomacy. In others, it became an ideology that could indoctrinate citizens. Finally, in the hands of the ruthless dictators, it became a powerful weapon of discipline that could be turned against the disloyal or merely marginal. The Japanese and Chinese governments have both had numerous interactions with the martial arts organizations and traditions of their own states over the years, and many of the same basic patterns can be seen there. However, in both of these cases, the government's attention was diluted across a number of traditional arts and was shorter-lived. I have not come across anything quite like the Korean government's singular obsession with Taekwondo. Nor has this level of official guidance and oversight always been good for the sport. In many ways, the story that Alex Gillis tells is a profoundly sad one. The architects of traditional Taekwondo 
were unable to hold on to the art that they had organized. And I hesitate to use the word created. But then they were forced to watch as a despotic dictatorship used their movement to oppress dissidents, both in Korea and in the West, while at the same time transforming different aspects of the style into a toothless competitive sport, controlled through systematic corruption and cheating. Nor does Mr. Gillis's book showcase too many individuals who could be characterized as actually living up to the lofty ideals of the art. General Choi is the closest thing that the narrative has to a protagonist. While it is clear that he loved his art and sacrificed immensely for it, it is also undeniable that he was a paranoid, corrupt, and often inept leader who entered into a possibly traitorous relationship with the North Korean government. When figures like Choi are the friends of Taekwondo, it is not clear that the art needs too many enemies. The next section of the essay is titled, A Killing Art in the Broader Context of Martial Studies. And Ben goes on to write, My first exposure to the martial arts happened in a small ITF Taekwondo school in upstate New York. I didn't stick with the style, and my interest moved on to first the Japanese, and then later the Chinese arts, where I seem to have found my home. Nevertheless, I have a very fond memory of those initial years of practice and study. As a middle school student, I never knew of or cared about the controversies that surrounded Taekwondo. What I did get was a solid foundation in the martial arts that would serve me well as I engaged in my own journey of exploration. Now, after reading Gillis's account, I am left with a set of profoundly ambivalent feelings. To be totally honest, I suspect that if I still practiced the Taekwondo, I would quit. At the same time, I am really awed by the many good instructors who were exposed to the sort of abuses and corruptions that Gillis outlines in his book. Yet they believe deeply enough in their art to find a way to continue to practice and pass it on. I think this is where the profound narrative power of a killing art comes from. The author understands as much of the history and true nature of Taekwondo as anyone alive. He is intimately familiar with the shortcomings and past failures of his chosen style, but he stands by it anyway. While Gillis set out to write a historical account, I think that his book has evolved into something more. I see it as an open letter to the Taekwondo community, and in particular its leadership, reminding them of where they actually came from and extolling them to do better, to live up to their promises of reform, to no longer betray the trust of all the students who have studied and competed in its ranks over the years. Undergraduate students will appreciate the unflinching honesty of this account and the direct nature of the writing. Parts of the book read like a spy thriller. Other sections like a corruption investigation. As a reporter, Gillis doesn't impose any sort of theoretical apparatus on this account, nor does he seek to situate his study within the larger literature on the martial arts. I think that this decision is basically a good one. 
it allows his book to be introduced or framed in a number of different ways depending upon what sorts of classroom discussions you wish to have. It will also serve as a great database for research papers. I strongly recommend A Killing Art for anyone who is interested in learning more about the history of the Korean martial arts. The book is well-written and extremely well-researched. And even though Gillis is not writing for an academic audience, he has done the field of martial arts a great favor. We desperately need more accounts like this. Hopefully, other authors will sit up and take notice. That's the end of Ben's review of A Killing Art. That also gives us a view, and in particular Ben's view, as if he was an audience to a stage, and this is what he saw. What's coming up next is a look at it from the other direction. What did it take to make this work come to life? So during the next part, we're going to have an interview by Dr. Ben Junkins with Mr. Alex Gillis. Before we begin to close out this episode, I wanted to share with you the table of contents from A Killing Art, the untold story of Taekwondo. And the reason is, is because the, some of the chapter heading sounds like books all unto themselves. So, for example, part one is called The Indomitable Spirit, and it's broke down into four chapters. And the first chapter is called The Men of the Sacred Bone. Chapter two Though ten million opponents might rise against him. Chapter 3. A superpower on every border. Chapter 4. Supernom. Part 2 of the book is called Perseverance. And Chapter 5 is Taekwondo is named in a Korean geisha house. Chapter 6. One coup, two presidents, and the three spheres of power. And Chapter 7. The ace team and the Korean CIA. Now it continues, but I just wanted to share just a sample of the table of contents for the book, which is just fantastic. And don't forget that you, as a listener of Kung Fu Podcast, can have access to a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial over at Audible. All you got to do is go to kungfupodcast.com forward slash audible, and you can select one of the many books that we've actually referenced on this show. Exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. Thank you so much for joining me today in episode number 100, where we began looking at the, the reviews of the book of Killing Art, the untold story of Taekwondo. In the next episode, we're going to be looking at the interview with the author, and then some excerpts are going to be coming up directly from the book. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support and you going by iTunes or just sending me an email However it is that you let me know what you think of the program and my efforts to deliver the kind of content that hopefully you'll find educational, entertaining, and worthwhile in your pursuit as you're looking down the path in your martial arts journey. Take care, and I'll be talking with you again soon.